An 18-year-old gunman in Texas murders at least 19 children and two adults. And the political left and the president of the United States respond by suggesting that gun rights supporters don't care about those slain children. I'm Ben Shapiro. This is The Ben Shapiro Show. Today's show is sponsored by ExpressVPN. Do you like your web history being seen and sold to advertisers? No, me neither. Get ExpressVPN right now at expressvpn.com slash Ben. We'll get to all the news in just one moment. First, here is your reminder that if you're not using ExpressVPN, you're leaving your private material out there for anyone to grab. And the simple fact of the matter is that there are a lot of people out there who want to grab your data. You're talking about hackers, you're talking about big tech, which monetize it, government, which is watching you. And you might want to protect yourself by using ExpressVPN. That's the way I protect my internet activity. If you've ever wondered how free-to-access tech giants make their cash, the answer is they track your searches, video history, and everything you click on. Then they build a profile on you, and selling off your sensitive data allows them to monetize all of that. When you use ExpressVPN, you anonymize much of your online presence by hiding that IP address. That makes your activity more difficult to trace and sell to advertisers. What's more, ExpressVPN encrypts 100% of your network data to protect you from eavesdroppers and cyber criminals. What I like most is how easy it is to use. It takes just one click to protect all your devices, which is why ExpressVPN is rated number one by Business Insider. So stop allowing everybody to grab your data online. It's your data. Instead, revoke their right to your data. Secure your internet with VPN I trust for online protection. That's expressvpn.com slash Ben. Again, E-X-P-R-E-S-S-V-P-N.com slash Ben. To get three extra months free with my exclusive link, go to expressvpn.com slash Ben right now to learn more. Well, everybody in the country, all of our hearts just broke at the news yesterday out of Uvalde, Texas. Just horrifying act of unbelievable, unspeakable evil. According to the Associated Press, an 18-year-old gunman killed 19 children as he went from classroom to classroom at a Texas elementary school in a rampage that also left two adults dead, according to officials, adding to a gruesome years-long series of mass killings at churches, schools, and stores. The attacker was killed by a Border Patrol agent who rushed into the school without waiting for backup, according to a law enforcement official. So thanks to the heroism of that Border Patrol agent for preventing further loss of life, that is the worst school shooting in America, at least since the Sandy Hook shooting. Hours after the attack, families were still awaiting word on their children. At the town civic center where some gathered, the silence was broken repeatedly by screams and wailing. It's just horrifying. Governor Greg Abbott of Texas said one of the two adults killed was a teacher. It's horrifying stuff all the way through. Every time you see a situation like this, it's just horrifying. And you pray to God that it doesn't repeat itself. And then obviously it does repeat itself because there are evil human beings out there whether they are mentally ill, whether they're not mentally ill, whether they're motivated by some sort of hateful ideology or whether they're motivated just by a sickness inside them, a darkness inside them. The, the bottom line is that these, these hits keep on coming and they're just, I, I, I mean, I, I don't know how you can wake up this morning and not just feel empty inside looking at, at all of this, obviously. According to the UK Daily Mail, who named the shooter, this is one thing that we here at the Daily Wire do not do. We do not name mass shooters because- one of the reasons that, that studies tend to suggest that you have had a, a higher incidence of mass shooting in the past several years is because of social media and the fact that there are a lot of twisted people out there who see the fame that attends to mass shooters like this, and then they wish to obtain the same fame by committing similar acts we at Daily Wire took upon ourselves, I believe it was after Sandy Hook, that we would not engage in this sort of naming of the people who engage in the mass shootings because, again, the media tends to contribute to social contagion. The media tend to, to grant extraordinary coverage to the shooters, pictures plastered everywhere. And when that happens, then other sick people, other sick minds, perverse human beings, 
they, they see this sort of stuff and then they use this as impetus for their own attacks. We don't do this. And, and frankly, it's why on the show, I don't mention the names of, of mass shooters. What we will tell you is what we know about the mass shooter. This person was a fast food worker described as a lonely child bullied for his lisp and wearing eyeliner carried out the massacre at Robb Elementary School in Uvalde, Texas, around 1130 a.m. on Tuesday after shooting his own grandmother at a house elsewhere in the city, reportedly after an argument about failing to graduate. So this looks a lot like the Sandy Hook shooting during which the shooter murdered his mother and then proceeded to go to the school and murder a bunch of school children. Police and officials said that the shooter had purchased a pair of rifles for his 18th birthday and showed them off on social media, fled the scene of his first shooting in a car armed with a handgun, possibly a rifle and wearing body armor. He ditched the vehicle close to the school, went inside and started shooting children, teachers, whoever was in his way. So as far as we are aware, he purchased the rifles legally. This does not mean, as we'll discuss in just a moment, that he did not break a wide variety of gun laws in doing what he did or, or carrying, for example, a handgun, which he is not allowed to do. He's carrying a handgun as well. Two boys and four girls were among those he killed, also fatally shot, were two teachers. One of them was Eva Morales, 44. Another was Irma Garcia, a mother of four. Cops rushed to the scene to reports of an armed man who had crashed a car near the school. Also on the scene were Border Patrol agents from a nearby outpost, one of whom got into a firefight with the shooter and shot him dead. An agent was wounded in the shootout but was able to walk himself out of the school, according to a local spokesperson. A number of others were also hurt in the attack. The exact figure remains unclear as of Tuesday. So we pray that those who have been wounded at this point recover as, as far as they are able, obviously. Just another one of these horrific, horrific stories. The, the local police chief, he said that the uh, suspect acted alone. Here's what he had to say yesterday. The suspect is deceased at this point. Uh, DPS is assisting with the investigation. Um, and at this point, the investigation is leading uh, to tell us that the, the suspect uh, did act alone uh, during this heinous crime. It's horrifying all the way through. Well, naturally, the media immediately jumped to gun control. So here's the way that the political conversation usually works in the United States. We don't wait for the facts to come out. There are basically two narratives into which we try to toss mass shootings. Narrative number one is that it's ideological in nature. Narrative number two is that we need more gun control. And if a mass shooting does not fit one of those two motives, if, if a mass shooting does not fit one of those two models, then we just discard it from the pile as, as though it doesn't matter. In the past several weeks, we've had a variety of mass shootings in the United States with a wide variety of suspects. The suspects have varied based on race. In this particular case, the suspect happened to be Hispanic. In the case of the Buffalo, New York shooting, it was a white supremacist, white kid. In the case of a recent shooting in California at a Taiwanese church, the suspect was in a somewhat elderly Chinese man. In the case of the New York subway shooting that happened in April, that was a somewhat elderly black man. So you had a black man, an Asian man, a Hispanic man, and a white man. And so one thing that you can see from all of them, mass shootings, I believe universally, if not universally, almost universally, are male in nature because violent crime is male in nature. But there is obviously no common thread between these sort of ideological motives of the people who are involved in this. One thing that you usually see is some form of mental illness in the mass shootings, some red flags that went up as far as the behavior of the suspect. This is why one suggestion that has been put out there is better ERPOs. ERPOs are extreme risk protection orders, so red flag laws. That has been one suggestion that's been out, been put out there. The problem is that in, in cases like we saw in, in Buffalo, they just didn't work. I mean, the, the, the law was on the books, but whether the law is enforced is another question. In order for an extreme risk protection order to actually go through a court and for the ability to buy guns to be taken off the table, at least buy guns legally to be taken off the table, requires a parent or someone in the community to actually report it to a court. 
That didn't happen, for example, in Buffalo. So you can have a lot of laws on the books. And if those laws on the books don't actually do the job, it doesn't really matter very much. And this is, by the way, precisely what happened with regard to this, this particular shooting. And according to Vox.com, which is, of course, a massively pro-gun control site, there's no age restriction on possessing guns in Texas, but you do have to be 21 or older to carry a concealed handgun without a license under the permitless carry law that went into effect last September. So that's at least one gun law that the that the murderer in this case broke. It's generally not legal to carry a handgun on K-12 through public school property in, in Texas or anywhere else in the United States. So that's another gun law that this person specifically broke. And again, gun laws ain't going to do the trick. And this is, you know, the, the, the jump to gun controls we'll discuss in a moment. And the, the sort of, the, the sort of shouting at the sky, do anything, throw bleep at the wall to see what sticks attitude when it comes to gun control is far from productive. In fact, it's wildly counterproductive. But again, there are two narratives. And if a shooting doesn't fit the narrative, it simply disappears from sort of public discussion. So you have this particular case where gun control is allowed to be the discussion because it happened in Texas. In Buffalo, gun control could not be the discussion because Buffalo is in New York. New York has very heavy gun control. So instead, the discussion was white supremacy, which the media would love to discuss because, again, they can try to link that to Tucker Carlson or to whoever their political opponents are. Again, it's all about political opposition. When you say that a mass shooting is about gun control, what you really mean is that it's about a group of terrible people who refuse to acquiesce to our gun control proposals. So if you see all of these, uh, the, the media and political response to the shootings as an act of, of political positioning, it's cynical and it's horrifying, but it happens to be accurate. So in Buffalo, New York, it's about white supremacy. In Texas, it's about, it's about gun control. If it's not about white supremacy, right? There's some cases where it is about white supremacy. If you can't fit into the white supremacy box, you couldn't hear, then it fits into the gun control box. If it's in New York subway shooting, it doesn't fit into either the white supremacy box or the gun control box. And so it just disappears and we don't talk about it anymore. And that discussion lasts for about two seconds. If it happens in California at a church and it is not a white supremacist, then also it is not worthy of discussion beyond about five seconds. Even if it's a hate crime, that, that, that particular shooting is being charged as a hate crime. So you can see how all of the reactions to these shootings, instead of trying to investigate solutions that might actually work, we immediately jump to what is the political positioning that will allow me to cudgel my political opponents as uncaring about dead children, which is the height of sickness. That, that, is, a, that is an evil perspective. I think the one thing we should be able to agree on as fellow Americans that we are all opposed to the murder of children. This seems like, baseline stuff, that the, the ongoing murder of school children by perverse human beings is something we all oppose. Like, I think we can all assume that of one another, no matter what we think about a variety of other issues, right? This should be like baseline, because frankly, if your neighbor doesn't care about the murder of school children, then you really shouldn't be in the same body politic with them. But we now have an entire media, an entire political apparatus that is designed to imply, or, or just say it outright, that half the country doesn't care if school kids are murdered in cold blood in kindergarten, which is really disgusting. It's really disgusting. And if you're talking about trying to reunify as a country, I'm talking about trying to come together. If you're the president of the United States, like Joe Biden is, and, and you're, you're trying to make the case that you're a great unifier and that we all ought to be on the same page, the least you can do is stop suggesting that people who oppose your particular suggestion for ending school shootings, proposals, which by the way, would not end school shootings, that if people who oppose you oppose you, they're doing so because they are either corrupt and being paid off by the gun lobby or that they are somehow uncaring about dead kids. It's pretty insane and, and morally despicable stuff. We'll get to that in just one moment. First, there are certain people who just make my life so much easier. I don't know what I would do without them. Like every morning I come in and frankly, my kids are driving me nuts half the time and 
And I need someone to calm me down. And that person happens to be Fabi, our makeup artist, who then proceeds to commiserate with me about the difficulties of raising small children, which is, I frequently say, is sort of like half being in a puppy store and half in an insane asylum. Well, if you own a growing business and you need to hire somebody like Fabi, ZipRecruiter makes hiring so much easier because they do the work for you. Right now, you can try it for free at ZipRecruiter.com slash DailyWire. ZipRecruiter uses its powerful technology to find and match the right candidates up with your job. You can easily review these recommended candidates and invite your top choices to apply. Additionally, ZipRecruiter has a complete suite of tools and makes it easy to filter, review, rate your candidates. Four out of five employers who post on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate within day one. No wonder ZipRecruiter is the number one rated hiring site based on G2 satisfaction ratings as of January. January 1st, 2022. In fact, the hardest thing you have to do is remember our special URL, ZipRecruiter.com slash DailyWire. That's where you go to try ZipRecruiter for free. Once again, that's ZipRecruiter.com slash D-A-I-L-Y-W-I-R-E. ZipRecruiter is indeed the smartest way to hire. So again, Joe Biden had the opportunity to, to at least let the United States mourn together because again, I'm unaware of anyone who's not in a state of mourning unless they are just a completely evil human being in the United States over, over the news from Texas. So the president started off on the right track. He started talking about prayer, which, of course, you know, I know that there are a lot of people out there who think that thoughts and prayers substitute for action. Well, it isn't a substitute for action. It is a vital component of, of recognizing our common shared humanity and, and the nature of, of evil because human lives, innocent lives were snuffed out in childhood. It seems like prayer is, is the appropriate historical response to that. Thoughts and prayers is not... It, it, people who treat thoughts and prayers as though that is just an excuse to not talk about things, number one, it shouldn't be. But number two, th those are people who just don't take prayers particularly seriously. Here is the president of the United States actually starting off on the right foot here, and then he immediately goes to the wrong foot, unfortunately. The Lord is near to the brokenhearted. So tonight, I ask the nation to pray for them, give the parents and siblings the strength in the darkness they feel right now. Okay, so, I mean, again, all of that is appropriate. What is inappropriate is where Joe Biden went next. And this really is vicious. This is vicious stuff from the president of the United States. And it, it relies, again, on the lie that he is telling about you and your fellow Americans, which is that the people who live next to you, if they disagree with him on gun control, it's because they're being paid off by a corrupt gun lobby that just wants to sell rifles. Or they're people who just don't care about dead kids. And that's, that's about as bad as it gets for a president of the United States. I mean, the, the, this supposed unifier is tearing the country apart. He's doing so deliberately. He's doing so for political purposes. And I can't think of something much worse politically to do than that in the wake of almost, almost two dozen dead children. I, I, I really horrifying stuff here from the president of the United States. As a nation, we have to ask when in God's name... Are we going to stand up to the gun lobby? When in God's name we do what we all know in our gut needs to be done? Well, well see, this implication, this, this last implication here, do, when will we do what we know needs to be done? What needs to be done that we all know that we need to do, but we won't do it? And why? Right, the implication is we have the solution. It's right here. The solution is X. And you don't want to do X for some reason, either because you're being paid off by the gun lobby or because you don't care about dead kids. That's... It's unworthy of a president of the United States. It's, it's, I, I lack the words to describe how morally vacuous and disgusting that is. Truly. Like there, there are a lot of things in the United States we disagree about. But the notion that there is a, a one-size-fits-all solution to school shootings, and we all know what we have to do, with no cost, 
It's just there are some of us who are corrupt and evil. To, to say that about at least half, by the way, by polling data, at least half of your fellow Americans is beyond the pale. It's beyond the pale even for a president as ridiculous as this one is. And then Joe Biden trotted out his favorite line. He started talking about Kevlar and deer. I, I don't know what makes him think that this sort of nonsense is appropriate at a time when the country is in mourning. I don't know why he thinks it's time to drop a bizarre joke about the use of rifles in the United States while the bodies are still warm. I don't know. Like th This is a line, by the way, that he has used many times before. So here he was using it yesterday. The idea that an 18-year-old kid can walk into a gun store and buy two assault weapons is just wrong. What in God's name do you need an assault weapon for except to kill someone? Deer aren't running through the forest with Kevlar vests on, for God's sake. It's just sick. Okay, so the president of the United States, he, he makes that Kevlar deer odd thing that he says all the time. Okay, and um, here's the thing. He's dropped that line like three, four times in the past. Here's a little montage of him saying this thing in the past. Forest with Kevlar vests on. The deer you're hunting are wear Kevlar vests. Deer are wearing Kevlar vests? Do you think the deer are wearing Kevlar vests? Okay, again, dropping these kind of rote political talking points into the middle of a speech about children who are just murdered in a mass shooting is wildly inappropriate. It also happens to be an unbelievably stupid point that makes no sense whatsoever. But the nature of this entire narrative, again, is if you oppose Joe Biden in any way, shape, or form, then it's because you don't have the courage to stand up for children. It's because you know what has to be done here. Now, here's the thing. None of the policies, none of them that are being suggested by the Democrats, short of full-scale gun confiscation, which is the thing that they will not say. And they will not say it because, number one, they don't have the political courage to say so, because it turns out that the American people are not in favor of that sort of thing. And two, it's not practical. It's not practical in a country of some 340 million people in which there are hundreds of millions of firearms to talk about full-scale gun confiscation. Even Democrats, as delusional as they may be on this particular issue, know that. And so instead, they suggest a bunch of ancillary measures, like universal background checks, which would not have stopped this kid from buying guns. The reason it would not have stopped this kid from buying guns is because, so far as we are aware, he had no criminal history. And he had no mental health history that would have prevented him from buying the gun. The, the, the baseline idea that universal background checks would have stopped this, or that closing the so-called gun show loophole which is basically just private transactions without a federally licensed firearm dealer in the middle, that that would have stopped this. There is no evidence that that would have stopped this. Okay, all of the measures that, are, that Democrats suggest here have not stopped any of these things in the past. Okay, Joe Biden, who likes to talk about the assault weapons ban of 1996, and the suggestion is that the assault weapons ban somehow massively dropped shootings in the United States, that's not true. Okay, the, the fact of the matter is that we are looking in the wrong place, but the idea is to look in the wrong place. At a certain point, you have to think when you are, by the way, Democrats will openly acknowledge that the specific policies they are pushing do not actually stop school shootings. They'll say we just have to do something. That's always the line. We have to do something. Again, by the way, it is well documented in data that the attempts to strengthen gun control, while, while still there are hundreds of millions of guns in circulation, that that is not going to do the trick. Right? Leila Brescu used to be a far left person writing for 538 on gun control and wrote in the Washington Post circa about 2017 on this. Quote, I researched the strictly tightened gun laws in Britain and Australia and concluded that they didn't prove much about what America's gun policy should be. Neither nation experienced drops in mass shootings or other gun-related crime that could be attributed to their buybacks and bans. 
Mass shootings were too rare in Australia for their absence after the buyback program to be clear evidence of progress. In both Australia and Britain, the gun restrictions had an ambiguous effect on other gun-related crimes or deaths. When I looked at other off-price policies, I found that no gun owner walks into a store to buy an assault weapon. It's an invented classification that includes any semi-automatic that has two or more features, like a bayonet mount, a rocket-propelled grenade launcher mount, a folding stock, or a pistol grip. But guns are modular. Any hobbyist can easily add these features at home, as if they were snapping together Legos. As my coworkers and I kept looking at the data, it seemed less and less clear that one broad gun control restriction could make a big difference. Two-thirds of gun deaths in the United States every year are suicides. Almost no proposed restriction would make it meaningfully harder for people with guns on hand to use them. I couldn't even answer my most desperate question. If I had a friend who had guns in his home and a history of suicide attempts, was there anything that I could do that would help? All right, coming up, we'll go through some of the data on mass shootings because, again, the left likes to suggest that there are way more mass shootings in the United States than, than there actually are. That's not to downplay the mass shootings in the United States. It's just to at least live in the world of reality first. When interest rates rise, credit card debt gets a lot more expensive. You have to make sure you're doing what you can to pay off that debt faster, especially during these increasingly difficult financial times. That's why I recommend calling American Financing. That's America's home for home loans. Their process starts with a free mortgage review. There's no pressure, no obligation, no upfront or hidden fees. It'll just be a simple conversation about the various benefits of a cash out refi so you can learn about custom options that can help you secure a better rate, spend less on interest, pay your balance off faster, which could mean savings of up to $1,000 a month. It's a lot of money, even more long-term. Why not at least take 10 minutes to learn more? It's the least you can do. If you like what you hear, you could skip two payments and you might close in as fast as 10 days. Again, the interest rates are going the wrong way. So if you want to get in under the wire, now is the time. Just call American Financing at 866-721-3300. That is 866-721-3300 or visit AmericanFinancing.net. And MLS 182334, Again, American Financing can help you refi that mortgage. They can help you get access to capital. Give them a call, 866-721-3300. That's 866-721-3300. The data do not support the idea that there is a one-size-fits-all solution here on the shelf. And if we just had the sufficient willpower, we'd be able to, to fix the problem. By the way, what, what the data suggests is that mass shootings on a per capita basis are actually higher in many other countries than the United States. This is not to minimize the frequency of mass shootings in the United States. It's simply to point out a fact, which is that there are mass shootings in a wide variety of countries every year. Countries including places like France, places like Israel. Now, usually these are terror attacks. Norway and Finland have experienced terror attacks, have experienced mass shootings. The United States happens to be an incredibly large and diverse country. This means that acts of evil are likely to happen. So the question becomes, how do you best prevent those acts of evil? But when you hear people talk about gun control in the way that they do, you have to understand that it seems to have nothing to do with actually preventing bad things from happening and everything to do with castigating their political opposition as evil. So for example, yesterday, again, it's the same routine over and over. We're not even going to specify what policy we want, but we're just going to tell you there's a policy that solves all of this. And if you oppose us, it's because you oppose that policy and because you're either corrupt and in the pay of the gun lobby or something. By the way, when, when Joe Biden talks about the gun lobby, understand the, the, quote, the so-called gun lobby in the United States has never been as weak as it is currently in the United States. And the NRA used to be an extraordinarily powerful political force in the United States. It is not anymore. But the NRA has been suffering like hit after hit because of internal corruption and serious management problems in the NRA. There are some other gun groups out there, but they don't have anything like serious political sway. The reality is that the gun lobby in the United States is gun owners in the United States, which is... 100 million people in the United States, people who believe in the Second Amendment. In other words, it's a popular movement in the United States for people who are law-abiding to be able to own guns. And nobody who's law-abiding wants somebody who's not law-abiding to own guns. I know there's this weird idea out there 
that somehow if you're a gun owner or you're pro-gun ownership, that somehow this means you want bad people to have guns? No. I'm just assuming that bad people will find a way to get guns, and I'd like to have one to protect myself. And confiscating my gun isn't going to make school children any, any safer in any, in any logical way at all. It makes school kids less safe because I'm a person on hand who can presumably grab my gun and try and go do something about it. You know, if, if there are a way of magically, there's no one on earth who if there are a way of snapping your fingers and magically every bad person couldn't have a gun, wouldn't snap their fingers. That policy does not exist. And yet the suggestion of the left is that it does exist somehow, magically. So for example, Kamala Harris, the vice president of the United States is sort of odd because yesterday she actually spoke before the president of the United States on this, which is sort of a breach of protocol. Here is Vice President Harris who responded immediately by again suggesting that we just have to have the quote unquote courage to take action. And this is the common line is that it's just a question of willpower. We have the solutions. It's just, the well, no, you're going to have to name the solutions and then we're going to have to discuss them. They don't want to talk about that. They want to talk about it's the willpower. Elect us to do some unspecified thing because we are the good people and people who oppose us are, virtu- are, are, morally, are morally unvirtuous. Here is uh, Kamala Harris. As a nation, we have to have the courage to take action and understand the nexus between what makes for reasonable and sensible public policy to ensure something like this never happens again. Okay, does she suggest what that public policy would would look like or what's in it? What would stop all this? Of course she doesn't. She says it's out there and we all know what it is. Really? Then then articulate it. Just articulate it. Then we can have an open conversation about what that policy looks like. Are we talking about stronger ERPOs? How how are those enforced? Are we talking about different background checks? How is that made different? What are we talking about here? Because you, you never hear them actually specify the hard policy because the minute that they do, it becomes absolutely clear it wouldn't stop a shooting like this. And you get the same thing from Barack Obama, who is fond of, of drawing the, this stark moral contrast between himself on the side of the, he, he was the great light bringer, of course, and all of his political opponents who are on the side of darkness and evil for not simply acquiescing to all of his political prescriptions. Here's Barack Obama's statement yesterday, quote, Across the country, parents are putting their children to bed, reading stories, singing lullabies, and in the back of their minds, they're worried about what might happen tomorrow after they drop their kids off at school or take them to a grocery store or any other public space. Michelle and I grieve with the families in Uvalde who are experiencing pain no one should have to bear. We're also angry for them. Nearly 10 years after Sandy Hook and 10 days after Buffalo, our country is paralyzed, not by fear, but by a gun lobby and a political party that have shown no willingness to act in any way that might help prevent these tragedies. Right? It's, the, it's their unwillingness. They're evil. There, make no mistake, what he is saying is that if you oppose his political prescriptions, which he which go unnamed in this thread, is because you are an evil human being. You're a bad human being. You're in league with shooters. You're somebody who wants dead kids if you don't agree with Barack Obama. He says, it's long past time for action, any kind of action. And it's another tragedy and a quieter, but no less tragic one for families to wait another day. May God bless the memory of the victims and in the words of scripture, heal the brokenhearted and bind up their wounds. So I have a question. That that This one phrase is so telling. It's long past time for action, any kind of action. That is not a recipe for public policy. That is, that, that is, a, that is an emotional appeal to bad public policy. You can't make public policy on any issue like this. It's past time for action. Any kind, really, any kind of action? Like if I run into a brick wall, was that an action? Like what exactly is the action that you're proposing? Is the action that you're proposing cutting greenhouse gas emissions? Like what? It's time for any kind of action. Presumably not, because I can propose you five different types of action that Democrats have rejected because they don't think that either it will work or that it is worth the cost or whatever it is. 
It's all a it's all an attempt at moral suasion aimed directly at people who disagree with them on their policy prescriptions by calling them murderers. Chris Murphy did the same routine from the floor of the Senate yesterday. He got up and, of course, he, he got all of the plaudits of the media for doing this. Here, here we go. Find a path forward here. Work with us to find a way to pass laws that make this less likely. It will not solve the problem of American violence by itself. But by doing something, we at least stop sending this quiet message of endorsement to these killers whose brains are breaking, who see the highest levels of government doing nothing. That's okay. This is crazy. So, so it's it's a quiet level of endorsement to not pass bad public policy. You think that shooters are sitting around going, "Well, you know, if they had passed that gun control bill, that really would have been a signal that they're taking this thing seriously." Guess I won't kill those kids. Is that that's really what what Chris Murphy, this dolt, is out there saying? No, he's not saying that. He he doesn't really believe that mass shooters sit around and wonder at the internal machinations of Senate committees on gun control. He knows that's not the case. What he's really saying is. If you don't do what I want you to do, it's because you're a bad person. And of course, you have to go to the media and Hollywood to just make this absolutely clear. So every headline at the New York Times and Washington Post today is about gun control. So for example, McConnell says he is, quote, horrified and heartbroken. This is the New York Times, the Washington Post. No, sorry, this is the New York Times, quote. McConnell says he is horrified and heartbroken, but gives no indication he is dropping his opposition to new gun laws. Well, hold up a second. Which gun law is being proposed? Again, the idea here is that if you do not acquiesce to whatever we say, it doesn't matter what X is. We have to do, I mean, they're literally saying this. It doesn't matter what this empty vessel we're going to say is action is. You have to go along with us or you're providing quiet impetus to shooters. That's an amazing statement. The Washington Post, from Sandy Hook to Buffalo and Uvalde, 10 years of failure on gun control. Again, why is it? I just Back to our original question. Why is it? And when it's in Buffalo, New York, the issue is white supremacy, but not gun control. When it happens in the New York subway system, it's not gun control and it's not white supremacy. So I guess it just disappears. When it happens in California and it's not a white supremacist attack, then we don't talk gun control because California gets an A rating from Brady Center for gun control. When it happens in Texas and it's not a white supremacist, we have to talk about Sandy Hook, Buffalo, Uvalde. Then it's about gun control. And it's about failure on gun control. Okay, and again, the, the not quiet implication is you're bad. You're evil. So Rob Reiner just says it straight up. Rob Reiner, the director and actor, he tweeted out, the blood of every child that dies of gun violence in this country is on the hands of the Republican Party. Every child, the blood of all those kids is on the hands of the Republican Party, which is quite amazing since there are a bunch of children who are dying in Chicago pretty much every weekend in mass shootings. And Rob Reiner does not seem to care because Chicago is completely Democrat run. But again, like, I'm not suggesting that Lori Lightfoot is in favor of children getting shot. I don't think she's in favor of children getting shot. I think she has bad public policy ideas, but I would never suggest that she's in favor of kids being murdered. I, I, Fred Gutenberg, who, you know, you, you have to give Fred Gutenberg at least some level of, of flexibility here, considering that he actually lost his daughter in a mass shooting. He's now become a spokesperson for gun control. His, his daughter was murdered at Parkland. But here he was basically saying that anyone who disagrees with him we don't love our kids. If you're a Republican, you don't love your kids, which is, I mean, I know parents who also lost kids at Parkland and who oppose Fred Gutenberg's specific prescriptions. Did, did they not love their kids who were murdered at, at Parkland? Here's Fred Gutenberg. I heard you with Senator Murphy earlier. He has been heroic. 
He needs one of these Republicans. This can't be Democrats solving this. These Republicans need to actually love their children as well. And they need to walk into his office and they need to grab him by the arms and say, we're with you. Republicans apparently, they don't love their kids. Meanwhile, you have Steve Kerr, who's been allowed to speak out about public policy again. So Steve Kerr, of course, was completely silent when it came to China and genocide against Uyghurs. Uh, well, whenever there is a, a gun control issue, he, he jumps to it. We'll also point out that in Steve Kerr, the coach of the, the Golden State Warriors, at the height of riots in Oakland, suggested that police officers ought to be removed from Oakland schools. And this is something that he actually said in 2020. But, but he, he went viral for a rant that he delivered just before a playoff basketball game last night. And, uh, and he went off. And, and again, this is not a call for actual measures that would prevent shootings like this. This is an emotional appeal suggesting that everyone who is not on his side of the political aisle is a bad person. Now we have children murdered at school. When are we going to do something? There's 50 senators right now who refuse to vote on H.R. 8, which is a background check rule that the House passed a couple of years ago. It's been sitting there for two years. And there's a reason they won't vote on it, to hold on to power. So I ask you, Mitch McConnell, I ask all of you senators who refuse to do anything about the violence and school shootings and supermarket shootings, I ask you, are you going to put your own desire for power ahead of the lives of our children and our elderly and our churchgoers? Because that's what it looks like. That's what it looks like. It looks like they're on his... So first of all, if you follow his logic through to his endpoint, he's saying that elected officials... Their desire for power is leading them to allow school children to die. So first of all, where does he think elected officials get their power? Typically, elected officials get their power from being elected. This is why they're called elected officials. So what he's really saying is that a vast majority of Americans don't support his policies, but he knows the solutions, and so we should just implement those solutions. Well, I'm all ears. I'm all ears. What are your solutions? If you want to say full-scale gun confiscation, say it out loud. Let's hear it. Say it out loud. Just do it. They won't do it because if they do it, then they know they will lose politically because they know that the American people are not going to go for that. And again, the data don't back up the idea that full-scale gun confiscation or gun buybacks or anything like has been suggested in Australia is likely to be effective. AOC does the same routine. It's always the same routine. The idea is that we are going to stand on graves and then we are going to proclaim that you are in favor of this person being murdered unless you support what we are doing right here. So the irrepressibly stupid Alexandra Ocasio-Cortez, she tweeted, there is no such thing as being pro-life. While supporting laws that let children be shot in their schools, elders in grocery stores, worshipers in their houses of faith, survivors by abusers, or anyone in a crowded place. It's an idolatry of violence and it must end. I, just, I, I, I have a question. Supporting laws that let children be shot? It, I, I was unaware that murder became legal in the United States. When, when did that happen? Laws that let people be shot? Explain. She can't explain. And by the way, you're owning yourself when you suggest that you can't be pro-life and support this sort of stuff. So you're using this stuff to defend abortion? That, that, that's your move? Your move is to defend abortion on the basis of this? Strange political move. All right, coming up, I want to get to some actual things that might work in preventing mass school shootings like this one. First, no matter what you are wearing, confidence begins on the inside. That's why it's important for men to think about their testosterone health early. Testosterone is believed to affect everything from libido to blood health. Thankfully, Roman's testosterone support supplements were designed by doctors to help make sure your body is maintaining the way it is supposed to. You can feel confident from the inside out with Roman. Testosterone can be an important part 
of your health diet. Men's testosterone actually starts to deplete with age, so sometimes you need that support. Roman Tea Support is a proprietary supplement formulated by Roman's in-house doctors. You can't find the blend anywhere else. It's important to note, Roman Tea Support is not testosterone replacement therapy. It is not meant to treat people with testosterone deficiency syndrome. Head on over to GetRoman.com slash Ben today. If you are approved by a doctor, you get $15 off your first order of Roman Tea Support. Again, that is GetRoman.com slash Ben. GetRoman.com slash Ben. Make sure that your body is working the way it is supposed to. That's what they do over at Roman. Check them out at GetRoman.com slash Ben. And again, if you're approved, you get 15 bucks off your first order of Roman tea support at GetRoman.com slash Ben. Alrighty, folks, for all of you at home tracking the Daily Fear Index, we are currently at threat level monkeypox. I know the media is making a big deal out of this. Don't listen to me. I'm not a medical doctor and a global health expert, but you know who is? Dr. Robert Malone. In case you missed it, he made his return to Candace last night to separate monkeypox science from hysteria. You might remember Dr. Malone from his interview with Joe Rogan, his speeches at the anti-mandate marches, or that time he got kicked off Twitter for challenging the COVID narrative with, you know, things that are actually true. In a time when headline-driven panic is exploited by big pharma and totalitarian-minded governments more than ever, it's critical to adhere to the scientific truth, not just an agenda. The uncompromised truth of the matter is what Dr. Malone and Candace get into. So, Protect yourself from the monkeypox disinformation epidemic. You can watch last night's exclusive interview by becoming a Daily Wire member right now. Head on over to dailywire.com slash subscribe and get 25% off your new membership. Head on over to dailywire.com slash subscribe today. You're listening to the largest, fastest growing conservative podcast and radio show in the nation. So let's talk about actual things that could prevent school shootings, for example. Okay, so in the Jewish community, particularly the Orthodox community, we've been very worried about school shootings and attacks on schools for a very long time, because unfortunately, anti-Semitic attacks in the United States are, on a per capita basis, the largest form of hate crime in the United States. So when I was in high school, which is now 20 years ago, more than 20 years ago, when I was in high school, I went to school at a place called Yeshiva University of Los Angeles. That's what it was called at the time. It was directly next to the Simon Wiesenthal Center, which was the Holocaust Museum. And the Holocaust Museum had actually been targeted by a mass shooter at, uh, who ended up then going to the West Valley JCC and committing is a white supremacist. He ended up going and shooting that place up in, in 1999. He actually drove past the Simon Wiesenthal Center. He saw that there were armed guards outside, decided not to shoot that place up and drove directly to the North Valley JCC, rather the North Valley JCC and, uh, and shot several people at the North Valley JCC, killing one person. And he injured five others. The reason that he kept driving is because there was security outside the, the Simon Wiesenthal Center. We routinely were hit at, at Eula with bomb threats. I mean, I, I would talk about once every couple of months, we'd have to evacuate the entire school to a nearby parking lot while the police went in and investigated a bomb threat. Security at places like Eula is extremely tight. You're talking about hardened security protections. You're talking about full-time security guards at every entrance and exit. You're talking about fencing around, like heavy iron fencing around the, the school. You're talking about internal protocols for lockdowns, school, like the, the doors that, that automatically lock at the front and back of the building. You're talking about doors internally that automatically lock upon the pushing of a button so as to prevent people from, from being victimized. You're talking about some bulletproof glass. Right? These are like serious security precautions. And unfortunately, in the Jewish community, this has become pretty commonplace. I say unfortunately because that's the world that, that we live in and, and have been living in for, for quite a while. When we checked out schools in LA for my kids, one of the things that my wife and I did is we went school to school and we asked them to show them security protocols. One of the schools where we sent our kids did not have a full-time armed security guard. We had decided we wanted to send our kid to that school. So we went to the administration along with some of the other parents 
And we said, we are willing to donate to the school so that you guys can have a full-time security guard. And if you're worried that after we leave the school, you won't have the money, we will continue to donate to the school to ensure that there's a full-time, fully staffed security guard. I've said this before, and it remains true. We protect our banks better than we protect our kids. Money is not as important as children. Okay, And so in a country where we spent $7 trillion last year, it seems to me that the least that we could do is provide the security that is necessary on our school campuses to prevent this sort of stuff from happening. If you were going to take this seriously, that is, in fact, the best protocol. Not proposals for widespread gun confiscation, which is not going to be effective. Not so-called universal background checks, which, again, is going to miss a lot of people who don't have criminal records and then go and do something evil and, and horrifying. Even ERPOs are generally not going to be as targeted and as effective as necessary unless you have responsible people surrounding a potential school shooter who are, who are going to go to court and the system moves with alacrity to stop this person from purchasing a gun and the person seeks to purchase the gun legally as opposed to purchasing the gun illegally. What you're talking about is the first line of defense. The first line of defense at schools needs to be the actual security at the school. And so that means some budgetary stuff. About 99,000 public schools in the United States overall. It's a lot of public schools in the United States. And the and private schools, it, by the way, if you go to most private schools, most private schools do have pretty significant security. If, if you go to public schools, they tend to have lesser security in a lot of areas. The cost to do this sort of stuff is not cheap. You're going to have to install security systems. You're going to have to install some hard barriers. You're going to have to hire a bunch of security guards, probably. At a, you're, you're talking about several hundred thousand security guards across the country, because if you have 99,000 public schools across the country, and you figure that you need a security guard to student ratio of a particular size, you're going to have to hire several security guards per campus. There'll be presumably full-time security guards right there from morning until evening when the kids let out from school. You're going to have to put in some security systems with cameras and all of this. Are you talking about billions of dollars? Well, as the Democrats are, are fond of saying about nearly everything in life, are you telling me we don't have the money for this? Is that your suggestion that we don't have the money? We, we literally just sent $40 billion to Ukraine at the drop of a hat to provide them with offensive weaponry to fight back against the Russians in Donbass. I, I think that it's fine to send the Ukrainians that sort of money. And we are fighting back against a geopolitical enemy in Russia. When it comes to protecting our own kids at the schools, it seems to me that passing some sort of supplemental funding bill on the federal level that helps provide for a one-time hard cost in terms of security protocol for public schools around the country right, that allows them to build the fencing that they need so that you can't just drive a, a truck through the fence, which is apparently what happened in this particular case. And so that you have lockdown protocols where you actually have to buzz in in order to get into the building and where you have security guards who are on hand there. Now, there are a lot of people out there, particularly on the left, who then will say things like, who oppose the policy. Now, if you oppose this policy, notice one thing I'm not saying. If you oppose what I'm suggesting here, notice what I'm not saying, that you want dead kids. I don't think you want dead kids because I don't think you're an evil person. I think that you're wrong, but I don't think that you're evil. There are some people who will say, who oppose this policy, that this sort of militarizes our schools and makes kids feel unsafe. I have a question. You're the same people who are constantly saying that school shootings like this put every kid in the country on edge and we need to have duck and cover drills that are wildly ineffective at presumably doing anything with regard to protecting kids. My kids go to a school with heavy security. I went to a school with heavy security. Kids all over the world go to schools with heavy security. And you know what? They're fine. The notion that that is anywhere near as damaging as the palpable fear that somebody could walk into a school at any time and just start murdering children. That doesn't seem like a particularly hard balance. So if we're going to talk about spending lots of money, if we're going to talk about things that we can do today to help protect kids, it seems to me that what we should be talking about is security at the schools, considering what we are talking about right now is insecurity at the schools, rather than 
how removing guns from law-abiding citizens is somehow magically going to affect school shooters or how passing legislation that Chris Murphy announces may not stop school shootings will somehow affect the brains that are broken, according to him, of school shooters and magically cure the problem. How about we actually discuss solutions as opposed to doing what we are now doing in the media and in politics, which is just imply that everybody that you don't like is on the side of the school shooter. Again, I think in this country, pretty much nobody's on the side of the school shooter. If I thought differently, we would be in a civil war at this point. All righty, we'll be back here later today with additional content. In the meantime, go check out The Michael Knowles Show. That's available right now. I'm Ben Shapiro. This is The Ben Shapiro Show. If you enjoyed this episode, don't forget to subscribe to the show. Help spread the word about The Ben Shapiro Show by giving us a five-star review and sharing the show with a friend. We're available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. And be sure to check out some of our other Daily Wire shows. The Ben Shapiro Show is produced by Bradford Carrington, executive producer Jeremy Boring, supervising producer Mathis Glover, production manager Pavel Wydowski, associate producer Savannah Dominguez-Morris, editor Adam Saievitz, audio mixer Mike Coromina, hair and makeup artist and wardrobe Fabiola Cristina, production coordinator Jessica Kranz. The Ben Shapiro Show is a Daily Wire production. Copyright Daily Wire 2022. The World Economic Forum plans our dystopian future. State Farm backs down from transing the kids and demagogues exploit a horrific tragedy to score cheap political points. Check it out on The Michael Knowles Show. Hey, Michael. 